Welcome to another episode of Life on the Road. I am Scott Bolwich. This is Alfonso Key, and we are the navigators of the coaching journey from the professional coach, the college coach, the high school coach, with our special guest today, the head coach of Fayetteville State University, Coach Luke D'Alessio. Coach Key, give us a little background on Coach D'Alessio. I tell you, he's one of the most substance-driven and dynamic coaches in the country. Uh, you talk about a long tenure spanning over 30 years in the business. He he goes from Baltimore to North Carolina to North Carolina Central as far as just some of the places he's been. Originally from New Jersey, he's a guy that's gone to every step, high, JV high school, Division three, Division two, junior college, Division one, assistant head coach. It, it'll be very exciting to hear his journey and commitment to where he's at today. Our special guest today is the head coach at Fayetteville State University in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Let's welcome to Life on the Road, Coach Luke D'Alessio. How are you doing, Coach? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Do, doing great. Doing, Glad to have you on. Great. Glad to make the time for us. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. So, Coach, let, let's get going. We know you're you're busy this time of year. And our first question is always, what made you want to get into coaching? And then where was your first coaching job? You know, I always loved basketball. I loved playing basketball. I, I played in uh, at Bridgewater, Raritan West, when we went to the semifinals in the 3A state championships. And then I went to Catholic University, played there. You know, but I was a 5'9 and a half maybe 5'10", pushing on a good day. And I, that, I just love basketball. And once my playing career was over, the only void that, you know, fulfilled me was getting into coaching. You know, I had a regular job. It took me a good 16 years to get a full-time coaching job, but I was doing part-time and, you know, and also working a full-time job uh, and raising a family. So it wasn't easy, but it's something that really, really wanted to happen. So I worked hard for it. Gotcha. And where was that first coaching job? Uh, um, Good Council High School. I okay. graduated yep. and I knew the head coach there. And that and it was an eye opener for me because that's in the D.C. Catholic League with the math. Mm. Back then, Mac and Carroll, Gonzaga. Monster it, League. It just, and Good Council wasn't that kind of program. You know, they were just a decent program, but right. they couldn't really compete in that conference. So I've learned a lot. And uh, the head coach there, Richie Seal. Gave me the opportunity to run the whole JV program. So I did right. that for two years. So, well, Coach, we know where you're at now when you, you're one of the monsters, I think, top guys in college in, in the country. But you said 16 years without getting a full time position. Um, what continued to motivate you and, and, and for you to continue to strive to get a full time coaching job without stopping? You know, it's something I wanted to do. So I made time for it. I don't know how I did the schedule, honestly, back then, you know, because I was two years, they're all part-time jobs, but you treat a full-time. I was two years of good counsel. And I was two. Then I went to a Catholic university assistant coach for six years. And I went to Catesville community college for six years. And then I was at Bowie state. My first two years at Bowie state was part-time. It, wow. it was, it was tough because back then there was probably four ranked teams in the nation. In the right. CIAA, Union was the number one ranked team in the country. If you were a top team in the CIAA back then, you had a chance to win a national championship. And that right, last year. Times. And uh, those road trips were tough, especially coming home like 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Just, <laughs> you know, when you went down to St. Aug, the only overnight trip was Fayetteville State. The other ones, Shaw, was all day trips, traveling with the girl program. Right. So by the time we got back, and I couldn't use all my vacation, so I had to go back to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. But it's something I really wanted to do. And... Man, thank goodness, oh, no. Bowie, my third year, finally made me a full-time coach. Wow. So, now, where was your, your first head coaching job? That was, you know, besides, you know, Good Council High School, was a JV coach. Right. So it was a head job there. But it was really Catonsville Community College, right outside of Baltimore. That's where James Lewis played for us. Yep. Um, you know, a great opportunity for me because I got a chance. It took me a couple of years to find out what kind of team, how I want to run a program. And, uh, you know, the funny story about that is I didn't know anything about junior college. It was the hardest job I've had in my life. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking I had I had like 11 kids on the roster that were freshmen that were going to be sophomores, right? So then as they're going to be sophomores, I think, man, I got a good team. You know, we should be really good. Then when the eligibility stuff came out, one of those kids, one out of 11 was eligible. And it was like, man, that I learned a lesson. 
<laughs> it was. It took me a year to learn everything, but I did learn what I had to do in order to win. But you know, it's the eligibility thing just caught me off guard, and it was the toughest job because you know those kids are hungry, they want to do well, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all commuters. Right. And, uh, wow. It wasn't easy. That's for sure. Wow. So. You go from good counsel, being a JV JV coach, and you you get that experience early on, just being a, a head coach and being able to call your own timeouts. And, you know, let's talk about the transition from there to Catonsville. Now you go from, you know, coaching high school kids to coaching, you know, some young men, some grown men. You know, what was the yeah. difference um, in your coaching strategies and different things, different challenges you faced when you got to Catonsville outside of, outside of the eligibility factor. <laughs> That's been tough, but, you know, I had, I had some, you know, I was six years as a system before that at, um, uh, Catholic university. That's yep. where I went to school at three years oh, wow. with, uh, Jack Bruin and three years, Bobby Valvano, Jim Valvano's brother. Oh, so I did awesome. that and that prepared me for the job in terms of X and O's, but it did not prepare me for recruiting because of different kind of kids from Catholic U at the time, the division three. So I had to learn a lot about, you know, I remember when I first got that job, first it was a recruiting thing. You know, after my first year, I decided the only way I would be successful to win at Catonsville is to get the Baltimore kids coming to Catonsville. Right. And, you know, even my athletic director at the time said, you got to be careful that because everybody's tried that. And they have failed. You know, usually the kids didn't do well, didn't work out for them, didn't keep them in school. But I made a decision at that point is if I wanted to win, I needed to get those kids and I had to do right by them. So what I did is when I first got that job, you know, after the first year, I raised some money. I raised some money so the kids would go to summer school. So I made them go to summer school if you wanted to come and play for me. Otherwise, I wouldn't take you. And so Mm -hmm. if you get the right Baltimore kids, you know, that want to do right, you got a special kid. You know, because they're really good at basketball players and it means a lot to them, you know, to play basketball and, you know, do academics, do right, come out of their environment. You know, so I was fortunate that it got me to learn my recruiting base a long time ago in that Baltimore, Maryland area, which it made me really appreciate the talent and what to do with that kind of talent. So, you know. It was like, you know, like my first year at Canesville, I was trying everything. I was trying 2-2-1 press, 3-2 press, zone, man. That took me a whole year to figure out this is junior college. So I decided after that first year, it's different now. We pressed the whole game, trying to score 100 points a game. And that's right. the way we played. Okay. We had some, we're fortunate to wow. do well after the second year. Yeah. Just systematically, um, obviously, you've been ex- so successful as a head coach. I mean, just a tap down to 70%. I wanted to ask you, um, when did you figure out your system, your style of play, or does it change on each job? It's changed because, you know, when it's at Catonsville, I was trying, you know, score 100 points a game. And we had the talent after, you know, my going to my third year, went to the lead eight. And then actually my last year, we ranked number one in the country, you know, so <laughs> – you know, and then, you know, um, I I knew I could win that way. And okay. Then I got the job at Bowie State. And, you know, my athletic director then, from Canesville didn't think I could win it through Bowie State because, you know, a lot of coaches have failed there. So yeah, he totally, actually totally gave, so. He, he gave me a leave of absence for a year. He said, look, what I'm going to do for you. I'll give you a leave of absence for a year. If you want to stop back. And they gave my assistant coach the job for a year. I told him at that point, I said, look, I'm not coming back. So right, I leave right. open for you just in case. That's I awesome. Said, I'm telling you. And uh, then getting there, I was like, wow. You know, it, it took me about a half year to figure out the conference pretty much. Yes, because, it's a real league. You know, we started the season like 0-7, 0-8. I remember my first game we won was at Cutstown in Pennsylvania. And then we ended up actually coming in third in the Northern Division. That's impressive. And, then we, and we, won, we won our first game in CIAA. Uh, and uh, we made it to the quarterfinal playing game, made it to the quarterfinals, and we lost that. There's no kind of, you know, central, but I was, you know, I was pleased with it. So, the, and you just have to have talent, you know, and then you got to figure out how you want to play. You know, I was still trying to score like 80 points a game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was fortunate to get some really good players uh, to commit to us, and the recruiting was a lot different back then than it is now. But the good thing about the CIAA, you can gauge it really easy. If you're one of the top teams in the CIAA, you're going to be a top 10 team, plain and simple back then. And right. you had a legit chance of winning a national championship. Unfortunately, you can't say that anymore. You know, you try to be a top program, but it's not like it right. used to be. It and, changed um, some things around regionally. 
Oh, I mean, I went one week. I remember that first year. Uh, Central Central was uh, was it was like a, a we call it a southern uh, travel trip for us. Uh-huh. Central was rated in top twenty. Um, yeah, uh, we call it. John C. Smith was rated in top twenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you Union. know, all Union. And then you mm-hmm. had you had Elizabeth City back then. It was top twenty mm-hmm. program. Yep. It just like was yep. so difficult day in and day out playing those teams. And I'm a part time coach. So I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> You know how to do everything, and I survived it. You know, so it, it, you know it was a great lesson for me. You know, but you know I, I did the best I can back then. So you go at, at Bowie State. You know, the, let's talk that transition from junior college to Division Two, and now you're dealing with four year guys. And you know what? What made you you know figure things out? You know that you said about six or seven games in. You know, it took you took you that long to try and figure it out and what clicked do you remember what clicked back then where you're like you know what i got it and you figured out a way to compete better in that in the conference your first well, year. The, con- the conference you know when i first took over the job you know, i couldn't get any new recruits coming it was, it was in august i didn't okay. have any money for anybody coming in so i relied on the previous year the previous coach there the players he played so what actually, you know, a couple of them were freshmen. I think two of the kids were like sophomores and they were like the old rookie team out of freshmen. So I went with pretty much players that he went with pretty much in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then after about six, seven games into the season, I decided it was actually before Christmas. Look, I can't, I just wasn't comfortable with them. So I had a point guard, Eric Elston, that wasn't never really played. And I put him in because we couldn't compete up and down the court, those other teams. I had to slow it down and really run some sets and half the yeah. court. And I had changed my whole style and because I was just trying to be competitive with them. I, there's right. no way in the world I was be able to keep up with those other programs. And that point guard gave me a chance to really slow things down and he ran mm-hmm. really well. And that really I had a change on the fly because I would have – the talent those other teams had is like <laughs> off the charts back then. And Fayetteville State was really good back then too. You know, and and the worst team in the conference back then, and they had the player of the year two years in a row was St. Paul's. Yeah. They had the <laughs> player of the year yep. in the conference two years, the six, seven kids, like, man. Yes. It was just really <laughs> crazy back then, like how good the talent was in the other players, because you had pros playing back then. Yeah, right. Yeah, playing yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Because yeah. I want to kind of piggyback on that. You're right. You know, when I, play, I played at Fayetteville State. I remember uh, coming from junior college, I was um, – a mid-major plus, and I signed with Fayetteville State. And I, I was going to be playing against Ben Wallace. I'm like, yeah. am I in the wrong league? And I go yeah. to Shaw, am I in the wrong? Like, I just couldn't believe the talent, you know, because we're talking yeah. about, you know, back then you didn't have a social media, but the talent, I'm guarding guards bigger than me. And um, Union had three transfers, NC State. You know I mean? It was it was unbelievable. So I, I know what you mean about that. And also you talked about the seating has changed for the tournament. Uh, like you talked about yeah. back then, it was four or five teams and that, but now they've changed some of how they seed the teams for the tournaments, the regions, um, and the ratings. So um, that's a good point you talked about back then. It was a little different, but now they've changed it 15, 20 years from now. So it's more difficult for a CIAA team to get in postseason play and play other teams. So when I was at Winston-Salem State, I remember playing first round John C. Smith, the next round Shaw. So, why do you think that is? Why why has it changed so much? Where um, CIAA teams then competed for a national championship. Now they got it where they played to in the first, second round of the tournament. I mean, yeah, we changed. They changed the region. Like we went to the final four mm-hmm. that one year, Elite Eight. We were in that South Atlantic region, and um, yeah. you know, and that was pretty even based with us of uh, their philosophy. They would play a bunch of games out of at, uh, you know at a conference, they, they, you know those leagues. But the leagues now in the PSAC and the West Virginia Mountain East, they each play each other twice, so they play twenty two okay. conference games. So they're really choosy about what to do with the other four games, uh, you know. Nice. And then, then they got a classic, and you know us. We're playing ten out of conference games, so okay. and it's very difficult even for for me to get games out of conference. So I'm, you know, unless I'm playing Peach Belt, I can't play teams like in the PSAC Mountain East is just too far away. Mm-hmm. You know, and it just you know make, makes it really tough. You know, um, and you know the strength and condition. Uh, the other thing is the strength the strength of uh, schedule thing. 
the one thing our conference has is other two conferences don't have our bottom teams are talented enough to beat the top teams. Mm-hmm. And those other two conferences, that doesn't happen. There's mm-hmm. very few times there's top teams, IUP, West Liberty. They're, they're not going to get upset by those lower teams because nope. they don't have the talent. But the CIAA is just <laughs> any night. I mean, you're just going to have to, anybody can beat you. Like last year, you know, we won the Southern Division the first time in a long time, if not first time ever. But the thing mm-hmm. about it is, before we had an important game down in Claflin, Claflin was really good last year. But before we played Claflin, St. Aug beat them at Claflin. <laughs> you know, and there's no comparison between St. Aug's best player, Richards, when you play that game. But that's, but that's just yeah. to show you that yeah. you better be ready to play. Because if you're not, you're going to get beat. And, and plus, especially in the Southern Division, you have some really tough venues to play at. You know, St. Aug, you know, Shaw, uh, with some Salem, it's crazy. Yes. Livingstone, you know, yeah. even Claflin now, those are hard places because yes. they're really small, condensed gyms. environments. It's tough. You have to be a really good team to win on the road. So uh, makes, makes so much sense, Coach. Appreciate you yeah. explaining that. that. That's a great, um, you know, people don't understand that, how stuff shifted, but that makes a lot of sense, the leagues and the diversity and how complex CIAA is. Yes, for sure. And then, you know, the CIAA tournament's a monster in itself because a lot of programs, a lot of alumni, just they treat that as the national championship. Hey, Coach, I'm guilty now. Before it wasn't hey, now, hey, it is. Like, it's all they want. Hey, you know? I, I've been in the league like yourself, Coach, and let's be honest, man. This is the only conference of any level yeah. in the world <laughs> where the alumni and the fan base are more concerned about the conference tournament than the NCAA yeah. tournament. Isn't that amazing? It's unbelievable. You know, we just came back from the CIAA roundup. You know, the, the, the Bloomfield coach, the Bluefield state coaches were new and they just couldn't believe what that roundup was. All the attention, the media attention, how they ran that first class. They didn't see anything like that in the mountain. Yes. Yeah. You know, they never, nobody has it. You know, it's a, it's a great venue for, the players, the coaches, and uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's it's nice. And I'll be there next year, coach. That'd be great, you know. And, and yeah, then, I was about to take a sick day, man. I need to be there. It's 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 a nice event up there. It's, I mean, it treats you well it and, and uh, makes the players feel special because you bring a play with you, Tyler Foster, mm-hmm. him with me. They got a photo shoot. They got all those sorts of stuff. Okay. Be nervous. It, it's a nice event for the athletes, coaches, everybody. Tip off, tip off the season, you know. So. And to piggyback off what you're saying, Coach, like we enlighten people of just different leagues, different levels. At one time, um, years ago, that tournament you're talking of, CIAA, was the third largest in the country yeah. you know, when it comes to revenue behind Big East ACC. It's changed since then. But at one time, you're talking about um, yeah. it is really a unique league. Yeah. I mean, with pros going annually. Oh, yeah. I remember when I first started, these used to be that whole uh, media area. There used to be all NBA scouts there watching the CIAA tournament. And I used to have at Bowie, because I had some big kids back then, um, we had like about four or five times a year, you know, scouts came, NBA scouts came to our games. Wow. You know, stuff like that. And they watched, they came to our practices. And, you know, we had three kids that played at Port Smith, which is the NBA combine. There's that in Chicago. We had three of our kids that played in that. And you don't hear too often now that that the Division II players do that. Definitely not three of them. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Coach, where after you leave Bowie State, where do we go after Bowie State? Uh, I coached in Ireland, in Cork, Ireland, for one year professional team. Uh, I always wanted to try something aboard. And so I Mm -hmm. took my whole family there. It was great. Irish people, great. Everything else was terrific. But, you know, after a year, I was coaching, you know, 35 year old Irish players, 37 year olds. You're allowed to have two Americans on a team. Decided that wasn't for me. So I came back and then I got a job as assistant <laughs> coach at Loyola University, Jimmy Patsos. You know, so. Okay. But, you know, uh, I have fond memories of, of Ireland and my family still has friends over there. In fact, my son went over there a couple of week, uh, months ago to visit, you know, all the people he knew back then. Okay. So. That's great. And how long were you at Loyola for? I was there uh, three years with Jimmy Patso. We had the best. Uh, our first year we went 500, uh, and then after that we made the NCAA for the second time in school history, 
and had the best school record. And then the following year, we won 21 games. We went to the quarterfinals at CBI. So we did really well. Then we got the job. You know, he got the job at uh, Siena College. So I went with him up at Siena College. Okay. Uh, and, and there, you know, we, our second, our first year, we won the CBI tournament. We beat Fresno State two out of three at the end. So it was, it was pretty successful. Mm. And then from there, you know, I go um, to North Carolina Central. Then we won three straight MEAC championships. So, so I'm, 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 yeah. I'm sensing a trend here that everywhere you yes. go, success. All I did was win, win, win. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try. I try. I try the best I can. I usually, I'm pretty good about figuring out my niche. You know, mm-hmm. because it wasn't easy for me also being an assistant coach, but I figure out what is needed. What's you know, whatever I, I could fit in to help the team win. If it's recruiting, if it's whatever you know, workouts doesn't matter to me. I don't have a big ego in terms of what nothing's below me, beneath me. I do whatever I need to do that you know to help teams win either as a head coach and assistant coach. I have no problems with it. as long as we win. Everybody, you know, everybody does well now. Yeah, and- you're good, man. You're a veteran. You took my next question before I didn't get it out. You've <laughs> been doing this for a long time, and now you answered my question. My question was: I've seen your success as a head coach is tremendous but i wanted to know what you thought you brought to the table as an assistant because you won everywhere so you kind of answered my question but what a just give me two things coach as an assistant coach that is vital in helping a team win like you've done through your experience uh, the biggest thing i could offer as an assistant coach is my recruiting abilities you know i can get kids from that maryland dc area and besides getting them they're very talented kids i could also develop them and keep a relationship with with them while they're in college to make them better and play for whoever the head coach is, you know, because they're not really playing for me. They're playing for the head coach. I got to make it my, one of my jobs and assistants. I got to make them play for that head coach, no matter what I'm thinking, what I think is right, wrong, doesn't matter. I just got to get them to play and they got to help us win games and just keep them, you know, focused. Gotcha. And I want to, I want to take it back since we're, you're talking about the, your relationships with the players Go back to Catonsville, where you decided to recruit Baltimore and getting those kids from Baltimore to believe in you to, you know, to want to come to Catonsville because that that hadn't really happened before you got there. So just talk about, you know, some some things you do and that get kids to just believe in you, you know, that this is the guy for me. This is the guy I want to play for. You know, um, it wasn't easy at Catonsville because, like I said, that was like new territory recruiting there and recruit inner city kids. I never had to deal with inner city kids, right. honestly. You know, so, you know, I did, I was smart enough, you know, I had a little bit of part time money. I was able to hire uh, the financial aid coordinator as one of my assistant coaches. He did nothing but take care of the kids on campus for me. That was the main job. Mark, his name is Mark Gay. Wow. Home a lot. So I got that. And then I was, all, was able to get, uh, you know, an assistant coach that knew Baltimore pretty well. So he would take me to a lot of places in Baltimore, which there were probably, if I think back about it, they weren't the safest place to go. <laughs> you know, was, but I went. I went to places outside playgrounds where it's just like, yeah. like a white war zone. And just I forced myself. I had to do it, even though sometimes, you know, it was a little uncomfortable sometimes, but I had to do it. And, you know, and then also recruit, you know, if they had a parent, I, I recruit them, of course. And right. I, and my sell to them is if you do what I need you to do, including going to summer school and pass your class, you're going to be successful. And I'll get you a four-year scholarship. That was my goal. That was fortunate enough to be able to do that after my second year. I actually that first recruiting class with Brian, Brian Scott yep. and James Lewis. Those are the, uh, you know, that year Rod Harrison on that team went to UMBC. So we had guys go to Florida and then in other places, you know, okay. going to Central Elizabeth awesome. City. So all our sophomores were getting a place. And I came up with a system because of the junior college kids back then, they, they couldn't finish enough credits, 48 credits in two years. Right. Because a lot of them had to take developmental classes. So I would play them the first year, sit them out the second year as a part-time student, work on their academics, including James Lewis. He did that too. Right. And then come back that third year. And at that point, we'll give them a chance either to graduate or to get 48 credits and, uh, you know, so they were successful academically. I didn't miss much on those kids because a lot back then the AU circuit was a little different. 
Mm-hmm. Back then, the kids that were that finished playing their senior years were playing the AU ball. So a lot of the kids I was recruiting back then, they had to give up their summer sc- their summer AU programs to be able to go to summer school for me. I gotcha. gave an option. Do you, you want this or you don't want it? If you want it, you, you got to go to school. Now, if it, right. the AU stuff works outside the schedule is one thing. A lot of times they didn't because they travel right. a lot. Right. They no question. You could get with, you could get with yeah. that. Yeah. And then what that did is got the kids used to coming on campus. Mm-hmm. Got them, you know, it was like an mm-hmm. academic success class I made them take. That was automatic and it taught them mm-hmm. all the skills and stuff to be successful when school starts in the fall. And I think I only had like one or two kids that didn't pass the summer. And once they didn't do that, I wouldn't take them no matter what. So I, I do care about their academics and a lot of the parents and, and the kids know that that's, I don't fool around with that part of it. Even the kids I have at Fayetteville State now, they'll tell you, I need them to do their schoolwork. The only thing they can't, they can't, that I'm greedy about. And I tell them that it's not fair is that playing time. It's wherever I decide right. as a team what's going to help us win games, you're going to play. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with, you know, off the court stuff, academics. I care about all of them and that stuff in that sense. Okay. So now let's, let's get back to, to our journey. And where do we go <laughs> after Central, North Carolina Central? Well, you know, I got the, uh, you know, I applied for the job at, um, you know, Fable State. Uh, I always thought that was a, great place because what stood out to me and I haven't been down there in years is I used to always, they used to have the best gym in the conference and great fan support, you know, so, and I knew the coaches before there, Sam Hanger, you know, Afonza, then I knew, uh, you know, uh, Mike Bernard. So I knew the coaches there before and I thought you could always win there. And I wasn't mm-hmm. quite sure what the deal is, you know, what's going on. And, um, and then hey, coach, they, hey, coach, coach, real quick. Do you know who the first person, who the three-point in that gym is? The what? I hear what? The first player ever to hit a three-pointer in that gym. You know what that is? No. You're looking at him, coach. Ah, good. That's when you get a little history. Alfonso Key, you know, the first game he ever hit a three-pointer. What three, year was that? One. What year was 1995. that? 1995. 95. That's tremendous. Yeah. That was I just wanted to give you. Oh, I appreciate <laughs> that. Because, you know, one of the things when I first got the job, I'm trying to get a lot of the history stuff back. You know, yeah. I'm trying to, you know, look up the research. Some of it, you know, is missing and stuff like that because, you know, to you me. You do a great job, though, Coach. You make me I feel as welcome that. as possible. Every time, Coach, you walk me through practice, you sit and talk to me. I mean, you've been great. You gave me a call um, last week thanking me for something. So you've done a great job. I feel so welcome. I can't wait for the season to start. Yeah. And then the thing is with me, you know, there's great leadership. And uh, back then, it, uh, it was uh, Chancellor Anderson, I guess, back okay. then. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, A.D. Bennett knew me for my days at Bowie State when I applied for the job, you know. And and the thing what impressed me is they really wanted to win because by the time they called me, we were at the NCAA for Central. We just had a game, I think, that Wednesday. They wanted me to interview on Friday. I said, look, I can't do a Zoom interview on Friday. It's got to be until Monday. Mm-hmm. So Monday Zoom interview, they um, – you know, I, I guess that goes well because then that following Saturday, they called me on campus for final interviews. Then the following Tuesday, they uh, offered me the position. Mm-hmm. That's that's unheard of. Not playing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like 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 that Let's is like to work. a lot of jobs might take two, three months, especially HBCU yeah. schools. They drag yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they drag their feet on that. So that showed me right, right there. Like I was on board okay. April 15th, okay. you know, and then they put me up in a hotel for like 30 days to get myself sorted out. So I knew the commitment mm-hmm. was there to be successful. I just couldn't mess it up. And I did the best I can with it. Yeah. Well, no, knowing your track record and knowing the success you've had everywhere you go, you're, you're not going to mess it up. That was a yeah, low risk. Not. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that was, that was, that was a low risk. Yeah. Hey, Cole, did you get close to the year yet? Uh, no, that's a tough one for me. <laughs> Hey, coach! Yeah. Hey, I'm the last one. I'm holding on to that, coach. Everything else, you didn't bust. I really, it. honestly, the best really, record in 20 years. Yeah. I thought I should have had it in my first two years, but I don't get caught up in that stuff. No question. Because you know, it's you talk the about Jackson it. rule, coach. Yeah, it was. It, it's the tough one because you know the previous year they won like about five or six games and won 24 games. I really mm. thought, if anything, yeah. I mean, I really thought I should have won it. And then the year the championship yeah. team, I don't understand that either. But I don't get caught up in that. Because the only thing that matters is that CIAA tournament uh, coach of the year. That means you would have won the CIAA tournament. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's just, you know, maybe I was a younger coach, it would bother me some. 
Uh, it doesn't it bothers my staff more than that does me because <laughs> i really don't care about it i mean it's nice yeah because and it's like but you're a humble coach but you talked about all the coaches before you but coach you've done something haven't done in 50 years so let's let's talk about that season um you talk about coming in and winning at a level and they've won to have some good coaches the jeff capels and mike bernard's and hangers rick duckers but that shadow blade tournament has eluded them and if you to come in and get it done for the first time in 50 years coach what was that like and talk about that experience and how you appreciate it yeah that was a it's a tough year because all we went through coming out of COVID, um, you know, we had a, a tough, you know, blow that year is when, you know, Jalen Spicer tore his ACL in October. Mm-hmm. I actually tore it, like, I think in mm-hmm. September, October. That was our starting point guard. So, we, you know, we struggled at the beginning of the season because of that. And then finally, we got in a pretty good group. We had some really good players. Uh, we bought into everything. It wasn't going to be perfect. But right around December, we started playing really, really well. And I thought then we won those three away games on the road to Virginia State, uh, Elizabeth City, and Shaw. And and then we come back out of Christmas, a couple days after Christmas, and most of the whole team caught COVID. (laughs) It was just, yeah, we had to cancel some games. We canceled two or three games out of conference. You know, then we come, you know, then we come back and I catch at the end of uh, January, I catch COVID. I missed three games. You know, and uh, you know, Coach Q and the rest of the assistant coaches did a great job while I was out. They won they were three and oh I was gone. You know, I come back and I coached the John C. Smith game and we lose to them. <laughs> and I told the team afterwards, I don't know what I came back for. I said I should have just stayed home. <laughs> so, you know, and then, and then I know we were, you know, we were primed by the time the tournament. I knew it would be a tough it would be difficult to get beaten because we were really good. We played really good defense. Then we had, you know, mm-hmm. leadership with Zion Cousins, uh, you know, Darren Dixon and Jalen Seegers, who should have gotten Seattle. The boy player of the year that year, which he didn't get, yeah. which is mind-boggling to me. But, you know, uh, they played like seniors. They, they refused to let us lose, and that's what it came down to. But, uh, unfortunately, year, once we won the Seattle Play Tournament, we thought our season was over because nobody else cared about the, at that point, you know, the NCAA Play Tournament. I tried and tried, but I just couldn't get that team focus for that because it was like something that we had squads in 50 yeah. years. <laughs> and, and it makes it kind of tough. Well, because, legends, man. Yeah, well, it makes it tough because, you know, the other conference play a week later. You know, they go right from their yeah. conference tournament right to the NCAA the next week. We have a two-week layoff. Wow. So it's two weeks of, you know, not playing yeah. and people talking to them times. it just like you know it, it, it makes it How tough good you are yeah yeah the stuff it, make, it makes kind of tough but it was a uh, you know it's well those have been done in 50 hurt. years coach you gotta, you gotta understand <laughs> coach yeah 50 years that's a long time coach i mean people are excited <laughs> i mean yeah. that's 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 generations of happiness and had good coaches but something about that tournament is hard to do coach so you come oh, in it's tough. the gate so we apologize i apologize i was partying <laughs> myself i was so excited <laughs> well you know next time i'll make sure yeah. I'll, get, I'll get to the tournament NCAA. that's right the tournament is such a tough tournament because you're talking about well before it was 12 teams and it's 13 this year's 13 it's only one per team wins that tournament you're gonna have to be a really really tough mm-hmm. team to win that because you got the distractions you don't know when you're playing you might be playing like that you know, for 10 o'clock in the morning four o'clock six and then you, you like last year we had a you know the late game the eight was it nine o'clock or eight o'clock game? got the game started at 10 o'clock no matter what it was we were we got back to the hotel a little after okay. one o'clock wow so you, yeah. you just got to deal with that because uh you know just the way it is and you got to handle it and you're playing against some really con- good great competition <laughs> So talk about the time off. Like, so after you win the conference championship and you have that, that two week layoff, you know, we come back Sunday, I gave the team off until Wednesday. Then my first second practice, we had two injuries and that going up to the, you know, IUP, we had two kids in boots and they played that day. They didn't practice. So maybe it was because of lack of focus or they just worn down from the tournament and all that, you know, some of our guys' bodies gave away and, you know, then you're trying to figure out, you know, going into that regional tournament, West Liberty was number one team, IUP was number two. So I concentrate on West Liberty thinking we're going to play them in the first round. And both of them won their conference tournaments, but they gave IUP the nod as number one seed and West Liberty number two. So I had to reverse everything we did because it <laughs> and completely they're totally different systematic play. Uh, team totally too. different. So Fire I spent nice. a whole week, I, I figured there's no way they both win. 
and West Liberty was first and it's flip-flopped them. And so now I had to start wow. the whole process again. And, and the IUP is a real good team. It's hard to beat a team when you're eighth seed and they're number one seed because you're on their home court and they get a great following. And we had to travel like nine, 10 hours. So it's, you know, yeah. but like I said, it, it like the season was almost over because, you know, like Jalen Seegers had the worst game he ever had in his career for us. Fouled out of the game. It was just, it was tough. I mean, all around, um, it, it was tough, but fire. you know, yeah. And now, but you know, now we got the experience. We're hoping that, you know, we can win another one and then hopefully move forward in the CIAA and we got to try to get, you know, these national rankings early in the season for a tough schedule. We got to win those games. Right. You know, not just not just the last couple of years, we use those games to get better for the CIAA, you know, regular season. We, you know, we have, we got pressure on ourselves to try to win those games, try to get a really good seed in the double A if we're fortunate enough to make it. Gotcha. And let's talk about that because that that's a, a a different mindset that you're you're having to take on now, because you're you're starting to think and plan beyond the CIAA and yeah. beyond that tournament. And talk about getting your guys ready to play those big non conference games. So I'm putting pressure that. You know, with, from the start, that we need to win games right from the start, and just keep getting better as we're winning games, not get better as we lose some games. <laughs> you know, so there's a different mindset there, and uh, we know it's at stake. You know, so you know our goal is try to win the CIAA and try to win the national championship, and I put it out there. Talent-wise, the players could do it if they if they really buy in and want to do it. We have the talent to be able to achieve those goals. The question is whether you're going to do it or not. Uh, you know, that's you have to wait and see where we are. Gotcha. So we're going to uh, keep this thing moving and take it to our last two segments, which is always our, our favorite ones. And our first one, we call it our no disrespect top five, because uh, if you don't make this top no five, no no disrespect to you. So your top five coaches that had the biggest impact on your coaching career or your, your personal life. And these could be coaches you worked for, worked with, um, or just that you've come across through your, through your coaching journey. I mean, a lot of these are the coaches that I worked with because they had an important role, you know, my life, you know, my first one was my, honestly was my middle school coach, uh, Dave Rappel. You know, he just instilled me, you know, in middle school back then in New Jersey, Washington School in New Jersey, there was one team, was was one team, and it, the school went from fifth grade to eighth grade. And as a fifth grader, I worked really, I played soccer, baseball, but I love basketball, and I played a lot of basketball. I got cut as a fifth grader, being on eighth grade team. I was devastated, you know. And then the coach, Dave Rappel, called me in and said, look, uh, Luke, if you're willing to practice two hours, every six days, five, six days a week, I guarantee you'll have a spot on the team next year. Oh. And I took his word. I did it, and I and I and I made the team as a sixth grader. Oh man, so, that's big. Uh, it was big because he instilled. He gave me a goal, and uh, you know, and he made me believe in it. And then you know, I played a little bit of sixth grade, and I started as a seventh grader. And then actually, as an eighth grade, we won the Central Jersey, which was pretty big. And then also, you know, my high school coach, you know, Joe Fisher. Uh, you know, really believed in me and we went to the state semifinals and he helped me in my college plans and everything else. So he was really instrumental. And then in terms of college, Jack, the late Jack Bruin, uh, you know, uh, Coach Bruin uh, coached at Carroll High School when they were big time. He was coached at DeMath as an assistant coach. Then when he left uh, Catholic, he was a Colgate University coach and he died of cancer when he was like, I think 45, 30, 46 wow. years old. Uh, sad day when that happened. Wow. And he influenced a lot of players, not, not just me. He also influenced Michael Onigan, the coach at GW, because mm -hmm. he played for him. Jimmy Patzos, that was assistant at uh, you know, Maryland, won a national championship, also Sienna and Leola that I coached with. Uh, John Becker, that's a head coach of Vermont now. So he had a lot of influence on a lot of players to become coaches, also you know, high school mm -hmm. coaches that he developed, um, you know, stuff like that. And then, you know, you also have, you know, um, Jimmy Patzos that I coach with at Siena, and then uh, Leola, because he got me involved in Division One, mm -hmm. And then, of course, um, you know, um, uh, you know, Coach Moten at North Carolina Central, without him, I would never, 
ever think about getting a job in North Carolina as a head coach. And I would never have gotten the job at Fayetteville without his support and, uh, you know, his influence uh, on, on me and, you know, and what we did at Central at the time. Uh, so I got one more, I guess. huh? Uh, and then Bob Vavano, I coached with, uh, you know, I was with him. That's a legend. Years. Yeah, and he's done the ESPN stuff and, and mm-hmm. him marketing stuff, publicity stuff. So I learned a lot of stuff there. And I learned something different from every coach that I coached with. And I'm appreciative of everybody that I coached with or has worked for mm-hmm. me because I know my success wouldn't be nothing without them because, you know, you're counting on people. And, you know, my biggest thing is, you know, trust and being loyal. And I've always done that when I've been an assistant, and I expect that the same thing when, when I'm a head coach and my assistants. As long as I do that, everything else will get figured out. Yeah, that's a, a great top five. Everybody's top five is is different, and mm-hmm. surprisingly enough, you held to you held to five. Yeah, well, you know, that's, you told me five, so I'm pretty good with rules. You know, I, 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 I lost some money to... on you, coach. I thought you were gonna get at least seven and a half. Uh, last coach had about eight. Five. Okay. I try to do it just like my budget for recruiting. I only got so much. <laughs> got only so much scholarship. They won't let me go over. Can't go over. Can't go to 11 or 12. You know, you know, and then, you know, my background is accounting. You know, that's what I did. I did accounts receivable, credit management, that. regular full-time job. And, you know, I'm also thankful for my employers. They knew about my right. basketball passion. They gave me some leeway. With okay. Sometimes working through lunch, leaving early sometimes. Yeah. So I appreciate everybody that, you know, it's helped me along hey, the way. I don't take it Coach, coach, time out. Time out, coach. I knew mm-hmm. about your, your, your win, Division three, Division two, Division one, But, coach, I had no idea you did credit recovery. Now, slow down. Say that again <laughs> now, coach. I was, at, you know, I, I, I got an accounting degree, so I was a credit manager uh, <laughs> for a hospital distributor and uh, also a publishing company. So, okay. you know, okay. so yeah, I would collect my, you know, I would get, you know, people pay the bill, the hospitals and uh, publishing companies pay the bills on time. And, you know, I supervise I a couple of people. So it was like, you know, that was my job, my accounting. I used my accounting degree. I, I know your budget is tight. Well, family stays happy to have you. I had no idea. Did you, Coach Bowage? I, I knew no Bowie State, Sienna, Sienna. I knew I had no idea. I, yeah. Hey, um, we're, we're the first to break it here on Life on the Road. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, it, it's funny. We we always talk about the coaching jobs, but we rarely talk about the jobs that we have to do on the side yeah. that pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. those first couple yeah. years just to yeah. just to make it to to get to that dream of being yeah. a coach. See, I don't know how I even did it now because right now I can't comprehend it. My mind is like like when I was at Catonsville Community College when I recruited those Baltimore kids. The only thing I asked them to do, because you know, in the city of Baltimore, and you know, they didn't have cars. You know, one kid have a car, he'll drive. So what happened is we couldn't practice because they had a pace program where their senior citizens used to be in the gym until seven thirty at night. Take the seven thirty at night, so I couldn't practice seven thirty at night. So the only thing I ever asked, you know, our players is to get on campus on their own by taking the bus, whatever they got to do from Baltimore, they get a ride, whatever, and I have to make sure they get home. So I'll be finishing practice a lot of times at 9.30 and I have to just drive some of the yeah. kids to Baltimore, which is a half hour north of Catonsville. And there's nothing worse driving them and getting back to the same place at 10.30 at night that I still got another <laughs> half hour to get home. I'll be home like 11 o'clock at night. So <laughs> I did that. You know, I got home from a regular job. I ate, spent time with the family, yeah. and I had to be out the door by, you know, like about quarter to seven. And then I won't be back until like 11 o'clock at night. You know, so it was kind of tough, but now it is seems tough. But at the time, yeah, just what you did, it. Get it done. And that's yeah. another objective of the show, coach, giving people the other side of the profession. You know, I see you on TV, coach, or Saturday tournament. I've seen you at North Carolina Central Center, but they have no idea that your journey, that how hard is it, commitment and sacrifice. You're talking about just working other jobs you don't love, um, losing sleep, uh, managing your time, mm-hmm. out your own pocket, no budget. You know, they see you on game day, have no idea. You you, you raise money for the for the polos. Uh, I mean, Coach Bowways, uh, he has some other jobs as well. I've I, I worked at Dick's. I've worked at Group Home. Yeah. I've worked that I, I've done it all, you know. People have no idea, so I'm glad you share that with us. So, and I see with that national championship, I say, yeah, he also could do your credit. Yeah, appreciate it. You know, it's funny when Coach Key and I were working together at Chawan. We played down in Savannah 
uh, Savannah College Art and Design on a Sunday. I had to teach class Monday morning <laughs> back at Hereford County. And we got back yeah, about 6.15. drove the van. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I had to drive the van back, got back just in time to shower and go go straight to class and teach. So, oh, yeah. you know, it, it's a crazy, uh, crazy experience that, that we all go through. And that takes us to our, our last segment, which we call Coaches Anonymous. So it's a story about an anonymous coach. Um, if you want to say his name, you can, but if you want to keep him anonymous, we just call everybody coach in his profession. So coach Alessio, give us your, your coach's anonymous story. Coach's anonymous story. This one's a tough one. Yeah. You got a lot of years under your belt. Yeah. So, so you messed up something, well, you, know, you messed up something, but some coach, well, you know, when I was like, I was, I was a player at Catholic university, right? So I was three-year captain, so I had a pretty successful career there. My mentor, you know, Jack Bruin, the head coach, uh, we're about we're one game away from making the NCAA tournament. The only thing we had to beat is, you know, Guy Day University. I was an assistant coach. Actually, I wasn't a player. I was an assistant coach on the staff, right? So we only had to beat them. We won like 20-something, 20 2019 games, 20 games. So, and Guy Day, it's a deaf school in uh, – in DC, we play them every year, so it's hard to play against them, you know, because you're not used to playing against them. And we're playing lousy. And Coach Bruin at the time was, you know, got really mad and he split his pants. So you know, he split his pants, and and then you know, so he had to get a warm up and wrapped it around his pants while he's coaching the game. And me and, and Richie Steele, that I coach with a good counsel, that gave me my first job. We're sitting at each other and looking at each other. We're watching our NCAA, you know, dreams just go away by the wayside because we're about to lose this game. And we're just looking at each other. And we're thinking, we didn't say a word. We just nodded our heads and couldn't say anything. And we lost the game. We lost it. But it was like, it was just the funniest thing that, you know, I mean, I don't know what to tell you with that one. Because, you know, crushed my dreams. We were making the NCAA tournament because there was no way in the world we thought we were losing them. So I also learned the big lesson that you can't take things for granted. But that was the icing on a cake. <laughs> it was, well, I mean, it was kind of funny. <laughs> that is hilarious. <laughs> and I think about that often when I see Richie Seal, you know, and I think about it. And I remember us, I, I'm such a vivid thing. And it's like, man, it was just looking yeah. at each other and our dreams out the window. No. So during so that happened during the game. During the game, because he got so mad because he was trying to motivate us. He was so mad because he he knew that we're supposed to be winning. We're supposed to win this, and we make the NCAA. I think it gave us our twentieth win. It was a guarantee. Right. If we lost it, he knew that we weren't going to get in. And he was trying. He was just you know making signs, jumping up and down, and he was a bigger man. So he would just went crazy. <laughs> Right there in front of us, and everybody saw it. And then everything he did is picked up a warm up jacket, wrapped around, continue coaching. And we're just, I'm just like, I was like, you know, oh, he's trying to do his best. The team just let him down. So that's great. That's great. Great story. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I played growing up, I played with a kid in New Jersey uh, who was deaf and went to Gallaudet. Yeah. And yeah. he was a heck of a player. He scored, I think, 2,000 points in high school. Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he was a heck of a player. I mean, they had a really good program back then, and also in football, they had a really good program. The thing that made it so tough, because sometimes it was a really physical game that we weren't used to, because a lot of times there would still be contact because they don't have the whistle all the time. Mm-hmm. There still be action going on. So it was like an unusual game for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, man, it was like yeah. we, shouldn't have, we shouldn't have played. It was the last game of the season at their place, you know, and they have a lot of tradition there. So it was like, yeah, yep, saw our dreams. Fall apart right there. I thought we were going to make the NCAA first time in school history. That and his pants. Yeah. Wow. That's, <laughs> pants. A, that's a duo visual right there. You never yes, forget that. Yeah. Oh, my heart goes out oh. to you. Yeah. Dreams and pants falling apart at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> same time. Well, yeah. Coach, we, we greatly appreciate your time. Yeah. Uh, I know it's busy this time of year for you, and we definitely appreciate you taking a few minutes out to just talk about your journey and your life on the road. And Coach Key, any final words? 
Again, Coach, again, we knew what your great acumen on the floor was, but thank you for sharing the behind the scenes and the journey from, I mean, all of the places from Baltimore to Juco, D3, D2, D1. We're excited you're here at Fayetteville State. Um, we're going to continue this going moving forward. we going to come out and see you as well in person and hope to have you on season two as well. But appreciate everything you're doing, Coach. Keep up the great work. Alfonso, thank you for everything. Scott, thank you. Anytime. I appreciate uh, you guys having an interest in our program. You know, I'm always appreciative of that, too, that you guys taking time out of your schedule to talk to me about our program. That's great. Thank you. No problem. Well, and until uh, next time, good, best of luck to you this year, and we'll, we'll see you in season two. That sounds good. And our best player, Tyler Foster, our best player, he played for Brian at prep school at Mount Zion Prep. Okay. Okay. So it's the case. <laughs> All right, I'll talk to you later. Thank All you. ties into Thank each you. other. Yes, it does. I'll talk Sounds to you later. Good. Take care. Another outstanding episode of Life on the Road. This time, the head coach of Fayetteville State University, Coach Luke D'Alessio. Uh, amazing coaching journey he had from you know the, all the part-time jobs until he got that full-time coaching job. But uh, amazing story. And Coach Key, any final words on Coach D'Alessio? Well, with all this substance, because I think he was enlightening, encouraging, and inspiring. You're talking about from a community college to a Division three to a Division two, Division one, to a head coach, and he's been around the block for a while. You know, we talk about young guys getting a job, but when he got the Fayetteville State job, he'd been in the business for 37 years, so it talks about it's never too late. Um, to get your your final destination and to stay at a high level, regardless of your time frame or your age. Absolutely. And until next time. I'm Coach Alfonso Key. And I'm Coach Scott Bulwage. And keep it on the road. And keep it between the lines. We want to thank you for your continued support of the Life on the Road podcast. Please comment on each episode and give us that five-star rating wherever you get your podcast. And make sure you hit the follow button so you don't miss an episode. You can also watch all the episodes on our YouTube page and follow us on social media at Coach AKSB. Thanks again to all of our guests and listeners. This wouldn't be possible without you.